he sucks and he'll always suck. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. That's right. Don't panic. Don't change the dial. It's not just me alone in a basement. I actually have Mr. Lebowski on the phone, and we have Mike Miracles on his way in studio. Mr. Lebowski, how are you doing today? Doing well. I am tearing down the interstate to the lovely, sunny city of Birmingham, Alabama. Well, that sounds perfect. Are you going to go to, um, what they call it, Dreamland Barbecue? How many times? No, I'm not going to Dreamland this time. I'm actually I'm on my way to a Brazilian steakhouse tonight. So, so you are scheduled for some Alabama meat sweats. Yes, I will be having the Alabama meat sweats in approximately one hour and fifteen minutes. Whew, I pray for you and your colon. Uh, <laughs> so you went to you were in the heart of the beast during our massive <laughs> victory in, in Baltimore. I mean, first off, congratulations to the Tennessee Titans to Mike Vrabel, to Arthur Smith, to Dean Pease, and all the players, you fucking did it. You did it. I know it sounds like we're celebrating the Super Bowl, but this is pretty big that this team at 2-4 and four is now in the AFC Championship game. Uh, it's, it's huge. I mean, it, 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 again, it can't be stated enough. We've said multiple times this year about how you know the team was dead, absolutely dead in the gutter, and now they're on their way to the AFC Championship game. And also, what really... What really adds to it for me now is that uh, this is a team that, that when they beat the Patriots, everyone's like, oh, the Patriots are not at full strength. But now they absolutely demolished Baltimore. So there's no more excuses for the media, but the media has conveniently already found one about, oh, they're not going to beat Kansas City. We'll get to that in a minute. But no, it was great. Uh, I, re- I really enjoyed my time. So one of the first things uh, you talked about was uh, you spent a lot of time during the day. You got there pretty early, trash-talking some uh, Ravens fans about Ray Lewis. Uh, Any fights or any (laughs) interesting comebacks from any Ravens fans? Uh, I will – I'll say this. Going into the game, kind of my expectation for the Baltimore fan base was kind of – I was expecting them to be – Patriots level obnoxious, Patriots level shit talk. And I didn't quite get that. So I was I was both a little disappointed and relieved at the same time because and, and admittedly I've never been to Foxborough, but all I've heard is nightmare stories out of out of Foxborough from Titans fans, from opposing fan bases about just how awful that fan base was. So Baltimore, I was actually a little pleasantly surprised about how relatively nice the fan base was. But um, I got to say, once the team started to struggle, it, it got it got really, really tense in the stadium. You know, that's what surprised me. We went to the Pittsburgh Steelers home opener the year after the terrible towel incident where we stomped on the towel and everything. So, we, I mean, it was that, that big, <laughs> you know, run. And surprisingly enough, Steeler fans were really, really, really nice. Probably the nicest fans that nicest fan base, which is shocking. I've been to probably thirteen or fourteen other uh, stadiums on away games. So, and I've experienced pretty much almost every away, uh, every team to come through Nashville. I have to say, very pleasant people. So that's kind of it's it's odd to hear that Baltimore, of all teams, with the Maybe not recent history, but 
you know, maybe that's kind of what it is. A lot of new fans because of Lamar Jackson that weren't fans during, you know, that run, you know, a couple of years ago, the last decade. Maybe that's a little bit of it. But let's <laughs> talk about your in-game experience. You said, because you got there, what, about 45, I think, if memory serves, about 45 minutes to an hour before kickoff. Right. So we, um, and let me, let me preface this by saying, I will never do this again. In other words, where I'm flying in and out of a venue, 24 hours, switching flights, that kind of stuff, because I ended up just absolutely exhausted. And I really didn't feel like I got to enjoy myself the way I wanted to. But we did a lot ourselves enough time to be able to kind of tailgate, at least party at a bar beforehand, go to the game and then, and then get out and enjoy ourselves a little bit after. I'll kind of get into that in a second. But yes, we got to the stadium at, at it was literally about 45 minutes before kickoff. So we got to see the whole buildup of what the Ravens do pregame to get their fans hyped up. And and let me just say this, and Titans fans, you can cringe a little bit as soon as I say this. Baltimore blows what the Titans do in their in-game stuff out of the water. I mean, absolutely out of the water. I was really pretty floored at how well Baltimore gets their fans hyped up and ready to go. First off, the stadium uh, – everything in there was just really well done. They've got a marching band that comes out on the field, which I'm sure most people are well of, but the marching band is on the field before the game for about a half hour playing your basic kind of college marching band stuff, getting the fans amped. They're loud. I mean, you know, they're, they're pumping the college band sound over the the speakers. Uh, it, It was really, really impressive. Um, and the colors too. I mean, everything is deep purple. You know, that it just makes sure that you're fully engulfed in it. Um, so then it, it comes time for uh, the national anthem, it's standard national anthem fair, as they're setting up kind of the entrance uh, gates. Kind of those like they put up these columns that blast smoke on them for the you know the team to run on the field. They dim the lights, kind of put the spotlight in the center of the field, and the team runs on the field. And the way they even do that is just, it's, they take it up a notch. It's, it's really, really impressive. I don't mean this to try to find a way to shit on the Titans game day experience. I'm just saying like, if, if I were anyone from the Titans organization watching that, I would have been taking notes. Yeah. The, it translated, crowd. It, it translated well to TV too. Like we were at a, a saltine. We just had every, surprisingly enough, all the Titans bandwagoners were out full force. I, I went to three or four bars before I just drove by Saltine, which is not a sports bar person. <laughs> no, it, it is, is not. But they have a you know huge bar in the middle of the restaurant. It's a seafood restaurant. And uh, they have TVs everywhere. And um, so they turned the sound on for us because, I mean, everybody at this point that would be at a restaurant is at a sports bar somewhere else. And we're sitting there and we're watching it and all the lights go really, really dark. I mean, it, it translated really well to TV. Then you see our team come out in the darkness and then the light, they go straight to the light and dance on the uh, center emblem. So then center field, what was the response to that by the fans? It was, uh, I don't think that the fan base quite understood what was happening because the entrance of the visiting team happens like 30 seconds before the home team comes on. 
So there was a lot. I mean, the booing that was coming from the Baltimore fans from the second the first Titans player appeared in the tunnel didn't really subside by the time they got to center field. And it was honestly kind of hard for me to tell that that's what they were doing at center field. I kind of thought they were just getting hyped. It was pointed out to me later. That's probably what they were doing. The fan, the, the, the sound or the, the loudness of the booing didn't change by the time they hit center field because the Ravens players were already getting ready to come out. And the, and the fan base was rabid to see it. Obviously, I, I, that was the part of the game where I started to get nervous and had this fleeting moment of, Oh fuck, we make it destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so throughout the game, you know, I mean, it started off crazy, right? I mean, we're yes. sitting there. Uh, it's just basically to paint you a picture. It it stormed here, as you know, on your way out. It was pretty. It was like fifty-five miles an hour winds, but when you took off, and so it was like that all day. So I didn't really feel like getting out. But we went out anyway because, you know, you have to get out for this game, right? And so we, we're at this bar. It's me and Lauren, and then there's like five people at the bar, and then it's pretty much silent almost everywhere else. So when the first touchdown happens, I mean, I go nuts. I just couldn't believe it. And then, you know, then the second touchdown with Khalif Raymond and all that kind of stuff, and I'm thinking, well, this is it. Oh, we've, we've won this game. I, that was the nail in the coffin. So go 14. Uh, we were up four, by 14 points, score 14 points. What was it like in the stadium? I mean, the because they were loud, so freaking loud at the start of the game on our offensive drive. So I just can't imagine what it was like when we're, we go to 14 points. I, it was um, the opening drive for the Titans where, they, if I'm correct, they went three and out, right? Uh, so yes. the, the opening drive of the Titans, when they went three and out, um, I think Henry got stuffed in the backfield possibly on that drive. It was ear-splitting loud. I, I was I was extremely impressed at how loud that fan base was. And again, that was the moment that I, I – it was up until that point that I was having fleeting like panic attacks, like, oh, shit, I may, I may be standing here in the stadium and watch the Titans get blown out. But by the time the Titans had gone up 14, it uh, – the air was coming out of the stadium and there was a lot of grumbling around me of, uh, Oh man, the, you know, the, the, they've let the players rest too long. Um, you know, Lamar, <laughs> well, Lamar looks rusty. I, it just, I love that. They let the players I, you, rest too long. Like yeah, the NFL, just, like the Ravens controlled it. They controlled yeah, the bye. No, they, it, should, they should have lost games and never got a bye week. It was pretty humorous. It was actually, <laughs> I hate to say it. I, it was, I had so many good, little one-liners that I want to rip off on people, but I had to remind myself that, you know, I'm in the home of the documentary, The Wire, and I didn't want to get stabbed. So I I was, by the time the Titans posted 14, the panic had set in. When the Ravens drove down and failed to score a touchdown to bring it within three points, that is when full-on panic set into the stadium, and people around us were starting to realize that this was probably not going to change. And that's the moment... I think it was, was it 14 to three or 14 to six? Either way, when they were forced to kick a field goal because Lamar, they just couldn't get it into the end zone. That was when people around us started to realize that it was not happening. And that was the moment for me that I realized that the Titans were not going to let up and it was going to be that way all game. Um, so let's talk about the first touchdown. Uh, one cheek equals two feet. Um, was that explained really well before the ref or did – 
did people in the in your area know that a butt cheek counted as two two feet before the no. race came out? No, not at all. I mean, of course, it's an it's an opposing fan base, so you're obviously always going to get booing that that a team scores, especially a touchdown that looks close. It was not well explained in the stadium what was happening during the review. They were showing the replay on the board, and the, the video boards in Baltimore are enormous. Um, but it was not being really well explained about why that was happening. But obviously, they you know when they came out and said that they reviewed the call, the touchdown was good. The fan base was pissed, but they got over it pretty quick because even on the video board, you could tell that it, he had obviously gotten one cheek in. And by the way, he rolled to the right and he was at bounce with the ball. So that there was there wasn't a lot of grumbling over that other than the standard fandom of how did we just let them score? The uh, what was that on the opposite end zone of you? Because you were kind of a corner, right? Yeah, that was the, it. Was the end zone I was sitting in the oh, opposite man. corner? I was sitting in the left end, left corner of that end zone. So, what was your reaction when you saw that he came up with the ball and they signaled touchdown? Like, what did you think in that moment? Because, because I thought he had dropped it with the angle they shown on TV, and then and then this guy at the bar next to me goes, "I I think he caught that." <laughs> uh, what was what was your thought being in that end zone with with your angle? What did you see? Well, first off, I gave a quiet fist bump to myself because I didn't want to get shoved. But um, I, it was it was obvious to me when they showed the second angle of his cheek coming down in the end zone. He's holding the ball that I I knew they were going to rule it a touchdown. And the fans around me too could tell they were going to. There were actually quite a few uh, Ravens fans around me that were pretty reasonable, saying, "Look, I, that's that's definitely a touchdown. It's definitely a touchdown." Uh, Mike's Mike's here with us. Mike, what's up, what's up Lebowski? Oh, what's up? You know, it's usually you, you on the phone. No, I'm on the phone. You survived B more. Appreciate that. Uh, I, you know what? It was, uh, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking about it now. I wouldn't have traded that experience for anything. It was amazing. Uh, so we talked about the the first touchdown. Let's talk about Lamar's first interception. Oh, yeah. What, what was the crowd like during that <laughs> interception? Because, I mean, it could not have been good. Because, I mean, the people overreacted on Twitter, so I can't imagine because it was a bad pass. I mean, technically, yeah. Mark Andrews kind of could have caught it, but it, was a re- it wasn't a really great pass. So what was that reaction to that interception? Well, there, was two, there were two women that were sitting behind me that had reactions to the whole game that were just, I wish I could have taped it, because it was phenomenal. They were The one lady to my back left, it was the, when he threw that first interception, she said, oh, my God, he's rusty. He's going to do it again. And, and, and just, I mean, I will say the opinion of Lamar Jackson, at least from the older fans that were around me, went from like rubbing it in our face of you're about to meet Mr. Lamar Jackson at the pregame to by the time he was throwing his first interception, they were ready to just have him benched. I mean, it just worked just complete. <laughs> Complete 180, just ready to go full trader. So bring in RG three. Uh, yeah, it was. But uh, when he threw the first interception, yeah, the fan base was. They were stunned. They couldn't believe it. It got pretty quiet, and I never heard that place get back to 100 percent volume after that point. Um. So the Khalif Raymond touchdown would have been in your end zone as well, correct? Or is opposite that end zone. opposite end zone? Because that's second half, I think. Or yeah, second half. Um. It was. I don't know if you could really tell from your angle because you're live, but watching it on TV, it was a phenomenal play, but a phenomenal route. And really, if I think if you ask most people when they initially saw it, 
I thought that Tannehill was going to overthrow him, and then suddenly he just turned on those jets and got underneath it. But oh, it what I mean? How does that crowd ever come back from that? They didn't. Honestly, it was at that point that there were quite a few fans around me that were that were starting to see what we were seeing as Titans fans that this was not going to go their way at all. Because at that point, by the time that was. The Titans converted that off of a failed fourth down conversion. Yeah, um, by by the Ravens. So, with it being the very next play, the fans were already there. Were quite a few fans around me that were pissed that they went for it on fourth down, even though this was a team that was a perfect eight for eight on fourth downs this year. I mean, there were a lot of fans around us were pissed because we were already getting glimpses of how well the Titans defense were playing in certain you know running segments. So, they they were not the. Ravens fan base was not done ballyhooing the fact that they had just lost a fourth down conversion before a bomb is getting dropped on a no name receiver. I heard multiple people around me going, who the fuck is that? So, <laughs> uh, it, you know, it was, uh, it was beautiful. I mean, just absolutely wonderful to see. So, so then Lamar Jackson, he fumbles on the very next, uh, uh, he fumbled to set that up. Correct. No, that no, was no, the no. fourth down stop. That's sorry. Up, that was the ESPN, fourth down stop. ESPN's app is is really fucking with me here. Um, <laughs> so Lamar fumbles. Jarrell Casey, who had a monster of a game. Yeah, he was amazing. And then Jeff Simmons recovers. And uh, Jeff Simmons' recovery on that, by the way, was good. He jumped in and basically deboed that ball away from uh, uh, Ronnie Stanley. Because Stanley was on that ball first, and Simmons just jumped in and ripped it out of his hands. Oh, we the fumble was right after the Derrick Henry touchdown pass. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Lamar fumbles. Crowd is starting to leave then, or when does the crowd start to leave? Because he does throw another interception. It goes touchdown, fumble, touchdown, interception. There were so the the moment I saw the first fans leave was the Derrick Henry touchdown. So. The Derrick oh, wow. Henry touchdown is when I is when I started to not be able to hold back and started cheering because I, I couldn't help myself. At that point, I realized there was no I, I had no no doubt the Titans were going to win that game. And by the time he threw a touchdown, as a matter of fact, the lady behind me had just made a comment about how they can't stop this son of a bitch who's running the ball. And another Ravens fan said, that son of a bitch is Derrick Henry, probably the best running back in the league. Ooh. So <laughs> right after that, Derrick Henry ends up throwing a touchdown and somebody else goes, now this motherfucker's throwing touchdown passes. <laughs> and I saw fans start to leave. And that's what broke me. I had a huge shit-eating grin. I started high-fiving a couple of Titans fans that were around me. I was actually able to move a few rows down and sit next to my brother because um, because Ravens fans were leaving. When when um, Lamar Jackson fumbled the ball is when I started to see quite a few fans pouring out. Wow. It was it was actually pretty quick. I was actually a little bar- embarrassed at that point that uh, that their fans were leaving because unless you're getting blown out. You've paid a lot of money to be in an NFL playoff game, and anything can happen. And it was what twenty-one to six at that point. Yeah, when, that, yeah. that made it twenty-one to six when he fumbled. Yeah, that that game is not over at that. But point. technically, we did yeah. go. We did score directly after that. It, it <laughs> that did. Play. It did feel like it was it was over to me because I I just felt like there was no way that they were going to blow it at that point. But did you did you talk any shit when Earl Thomas became a blocker for Derrick Henry? <laughs> 
I did not. I will say this. Um, when I did start talking shit was because later in the game, um, there was, uh, let me back up. There was a fan that was sitting in front of us pregame that was, he, he was nice and he ended up, he actually worked for a company in Nashville. So he traveled down there quite a bit and was talking about how much he enjoyed going to Nashville, blah, blah, blah. But he kept turning around and telling my brother and I pregame that, you know, you're about to meet Mr. Jackson. You're about to meet Judon. You know, he just kept, he kept saying that stupid shit. And I was just like, okay, I mean, great, dude. I've been watching Lamar Jackson all year. Like, I know what he's capable of. I, I know who Judon is, blah, blah, blah. You don't tell me they keep meeting him. By the second quarter, he was sitting there right before halftime, almost inconsolable, and was staring forward. And his wife, his wife was having to rub the back of his head like he was a toddler, just got done throwing a fit. And by the end of the third, I couldn't believe this guy actually stayed. I really thought he was going to get up and storm out. Mark looks over at me. My brother looks over at me a little louder than he probably should have. And he goes, I'm still waiting to meet Mr. Jackson. And I, and I watched the guy's head kind of twitch, but he knew better than to turn around because we were going to give him a face full of it. Should have told him, asked him how he liked meeting Mr. Henry. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, there was nobody in that state. No one in the stadium had a doubt about Henry's ability to play. It was phenomenal. By the time that SOB started throwing touchdown passes, that fan base was full dejected, and it was awesome. And what was great is by the fourth quarter, there were fans that were talking about that this is Lamar Jackson's legacy. All he's going to do is choke in the playoffs. Oh, oh man. my goodness. That could now, be a thing, though. I mean, that happens to quarterbacks in the regular season. They become a, a choke artist almost. I mean, how long did it take Peyton Manning to overcome his playoff woes to get into well, the Super He Bowl? lost his first three playoff games. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it can happen. It took a while for Peyton to get, get it going. So, I know you're you're about to have to go to Lebowski, so let me get your thoughts on drawing Kansas City as the opponent and what you are thinking about this game. It's, um, you know, I, I originally, I said last week on the podcast that even if it came down to, have, to getting to choose somehow between the Texans and Kansas City, that I ultimately wanted to play Kansas City because the Titans always seem to find a way to play down to the Texans, right? Mm. I, I regret saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely regret saying that because the Texans went back to looking so inept so quickly. I would have given anything if they could have found a way to hang on to that lead. Kansas City is going to be an absolute beast. And I, I, I think this is going to be, this is actually to me going to be the de facto Super Bowl. If the Titans find a way to win in Kansas City, and I do believe they can, I have no doubt they'll win the Super Bowl because I do not believe that there is an opponent in the NFC left between Green Bay and San Francisco that can put up anything close to what Kansas City achieved on Sunday. It's it's utterly ridiculous the shit Patrick Mahomes is doing. This is going to be a tough-fought game. But you know what? I've sat here talking about that the the Titans always seem to play down to the Texans. Kansas City – has a history of playing down to the Titans. Now, I don't want to say play down because the Titans are an absolute beast right now, but I kind of think Kansas City is going to come into this game in their own head. I think we get the victory. I'm with you. Well, have a safe travel. Travel. Enjoy your uh, Birmingham meat sweats mm. uh, tonight. Looking forward to it. And uh, we'll we'll see you next week after the championship game. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a good night. All right, see ya. See ya. I liked how uh, professional that sounded at the end. It was. 
Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Okay, Mike, it's been a while. It has been. Uh, Let's talk about... I want to hear your thoughts on pretty much the last two weeks. The last because I want to your emotions, the what you saw that you liked the last two weeks. Uh, but let's 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 the fan side of you. Let's put the All analysis right. away for now. What have these last two weeks done to you emotionally? It's been amazing. I mean, I I was not one of the Debbie Downer fans in the fan base that was oh woe is us. You know, even if we get into the playoffs, we're never going to beat so and so. We're never. You know, I I, I kind of felt like this team had a chance to beat anybody coming in, and and when we drew the Patriots. I thought that was an excellent, excellent thing for us. I mean, right. I, obviously, you you get Brady and Belichick in New England, which is never e- an easy game. I didn't think it was going to be an easy game by any means, but I thought that was a good matchup. And it was incredible, one, to see them kind of slay the beast up there just because, I mean, the 20-3 and three in Foxborough in the playoffs thing, that's incredible um you know just the mystique the banners you know everything that it, you know people talked about that week it was it's cool that if if things do go off the rails for new england now you know if brady does move on there was stuff out today about him moved moving out. moving out and moving out of he apparently cleared out all of his stuff in his suite at gillette stadium so like there there's weird stuff going on there so if this is the end for brady and belichick to know that the titans we're the team that ended it. I mean, just just put the nail in the coffin to finally kill the Patriots dynasty. Is is that would have been enough for this season to me to be like very memorable and very successful in my opinion. But then to go on the road and play Baltimore, who nobody nobody gave us a chance to to beat except for maybe Randy Moss and, and people that you know like you and me that have followed this team all year and yeah. know better than to count them out. Um. To go and beat Baltimore in Baltimore, avenge those playoff losses from, you know, 2000 and 2008, that feeling, as soon as, you know, we were just talking about kind of when you knew the game was when they went up 14 to nothing, I I was like, this is going to happen. I I was like, they are not going to blow a 14 point lead. Yeah, I'd said that before he came in. It was like that when Khalif Raymond had scored that touchdown, it it was, I knew it. I knew it in my bones. I mean... It was over. Yeah. It was over for them. Yeah. I, I felt like that shook the Ravens to their core. That that just series. I mean, because it, it was, you know, that first drive was a little shaky, and then the Ravens come back down the field, and they're, you know, getting into scoring range here, and then you get the Bayard pick, and then it was just an avalanche from then on, and it was like, all right, yeah, this they just got hit in the mouth. And you could see it on Lamar's face just coming off the field after some of those plays is like he just he didn't know what he was seeing. He was looked frustrated. He was getting frustrated with his guys dropping passes. You know, it just felt like they all of a sudden felt the moment they I kind of think, you know, all the talk heading up into this week, the Ravens were running their mouths talking about how, you know, Earl Thomas saying, well, it didn't seem like the Patriots were real interested in tackling Henry. I think we're going to have a different mindset. And Judon talking about how he just wants to hit Henry over and over again. Well, how'd that work out for you, boys? Yeah. Like that, uh, that mindset, I felt like the Ravens were overconfident all week. And I felt like if the Titans could come out and hit them in the mouth, that they would panic. And that's exactly how that happened. 
Well, I mean, we played the Ravens uh, this year, so obviously, look, they, they have a chance for payback. But yeah. I I go back to Marlon Humphrey's quote after the game mm-hmm. about that their identity as a team is to choke in the playoffs. Yeah. Two years in a row, last year versus the Chargers, mm-hmm. with with a barely wet behind the ears Lamar. Right. And then Lamar has his w- magnificent season yeah. in the regular season and completely comes out and is throwing lame ducks. Yeah, and there were some bad it, throws in there. And it, it was all about making sure that Lamar, basically, you just set the edges and then that was it. It was yeah. like it was over. He, I mean, he broke a couple of runs. I mean, this is a very much a bend, don't break defense that has worked yeah. in, in the playoffs so far. I mean, limiting the Ravens to 12 points is... Crazy. It's fantastic. Uh, I t- told someone, I can't remember which group chat I was in, but I said, to get to the playoffs, you have to have offense. When, to win the playoffs, you have to have defense and yeah. run game. And we have both those right yeah. now. It's just unstoppable. And uh, I see a couple, like a lot of Chiefs fans are giving us some respect, like the fans themselves. There's one Chiefs fan that I uh, saw that said that, oh, Henry will just get gassed out. I don't think you yeah. know anything about Henry if you think he's getting gassed out. Because he comes not. and he doesn't want to come off the field. No. And the what he does in the offseason is probably unlike... I mean, you got to remember, he had that Bane mask at one yes. point. The, uh, altitude. the altitude training. And I mean, a man his size doing altitude training, he's not getting gassed. And, and I mean, he's obsessed with it. You know, in the offseason, all you see if you follow, like, his Instagram and stuff like that is he is posting workout videos, like, all the time. And, and it... I get like athletes work out a lot, but I feel like Henry is conditioned to a level that is unlike any other player that I've ever seen in the NFL. Cause I mean, the, the track record for players rushing 30 times the next game, as far as production is really bad over the years. You know, it has been proven that carrying the ball that much does a number on your body and you're not as effective the next week. Henry has not shown any signs of that. They've been riding him hard all the whole back half of the year for sure. Um, and they've especially since he came back from the the week off, which, you know, still that that week off for the Saints has it changed everything. Changed the whole season for the Titans. I it, that that move was brilliant and perfect and and everyone who was a part of making that deserves great credit for setting the Titans on this path, because that that really changed things. But He's not slowing down a bit, and he got you know he's getting an extra day of rest this week, having played Saturday night uh, versus yeah, they Sunday. Got, they so. got Sunday off and to today off, yeah. uh, as far as on field work. Yeah, so there. I mean, I feel like he's gonna be normal Henry. I mean, I, I don't see any ex- reason to expect him to get gassed out. And one of the things that has driven me nuts and that uh, I really hate seeing is that all these analysts that have been watching the titans now for all of two weeks and think they've figured out the team they they keep saying oh well if you get up early on the titans they'll they won't be able to stick with henry they can't stick the titans have stuck with henry when they've gotten behind they they go well, into, he's, he's a playmaker that can get you 66 yards in the middle of the game at any point yeah i mean he he is you don't have to air it out if you go down two scores early with derrick henry and they haven't they they stick to the run game even when they were down two scores uh, late against the Chiefs in the second half, they kept running Henry. I mean, it was a balanced attack. They they I mean, 
it is not it is not a situation where you're going to come out, jump on them early, and they're going to completely abandon the run and panic like the Ravens did. This this team is going to stick with Henry. You're going to have to play four quarters tackling that well, big I mean, son of a bitch. And Derrick Henry just gets stronger as the game goes on. Yeah. I mean, it sounds cliche when you talk about big backs and, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's true. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's better. He's better. Jump up to your lead now because you better score more than fourteen because we'll we'll get up to you. We'll yeah. sn- and it will be sudden. And the Titans have been a second half team all year. Right? They they are the number one fourth quarter team in the entire NFL um, this season as far as point differential. They're like a plus. Uh, I think after the Ravens game, now they're like a plus ninety something point differential in the fourth quarter over the course of the season. The Titans, if you let them hang around until halftime they are likely going to come back and, and get that game because they make great halftime adjustments, and Henry is just a sledgehammer that nobody wants to tackle 30 times. Let's talk about adjustments. Why is nobody trying to take Henry away? I, I think the – so and that's another part of the narrative that uh, people are missing. A lot of people are looking at Ryan Tannehill and going, oh, it's 72 yards, 88 yards. He's, you know, he's playing terrible, but he's just riding Henry's back. Ryan Tannehill is playing really good football. Uh, the Titans are just taking what teams give them. And if you can't stop the run or if you won't stop the run, they're going to keep taking it. And, you know, I think Bill Belichick had the right approach, honestly, not trying to stack the box because there's two things that, that you give the Titans when you do stack the box. One is the play action crossers and everything like that. It's just really tough to come up with any sort of coverage that adequately defends those plays if you're going to put an eighth defender in the box against Henry. But the second thing that comes on the table when you have a loaded box is Henry's more likely to break a long one because you you bring more people up to the line of scrimmage, and if he can find a crease, and he often does even against loaded boxes, there's one less guy in the back that has an angle to try to cut him off, and, I mean, he could be gone for 60, 70-yard touchdowns, so... It just it's it's so odd to me that even at the half they're still just letting Henry both teams just letting Henry run. I mean yeah. it's just you know I it's it's very very odd to watch that uh, a Wink Martindale defense and a Bill Belichick defense just get gashed yeah. by one man yeah. and and Tannehill threw for what fourteen times this time and yeah. fifteen times last yeah. week. He's got the 20, 29 total attempts in the playoffs. <laughs> Lamar threw what fifty nine times. Yeah, so. I mean that's it's remarkable what this team is doing, and they're not having to do a lot. I mean, yeah. I think I think that's what everybody's missing. Tannehill can win games. Yeah, we saw we've seen him do it all regular season. Yeah, and. Someone's going to make the mistake of keying in on Derrick Henry, and he's going to torch him. I don't know whether it's going to be this week or not, but we were talking earlier about uh, trailing and giving up on Henry. So when we're leading, Henry has 354 attempts for 2,054 yards and 18 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Trailing, he has 317 attempts. 1497 basically 1500 in yards and 17 touchdowns yeah. it really doesn't matter yeah i mean he's, i mean when you think about it yeah he they are not gonna abandon the run that, that's one thing arthur smith has made clear over and over again they they don't panic and abandon the run it's, it's just not gonna happen until 
it is literally, you know, fourth quarter and they're down multiple scores, maybe maybe at that point, sure. But you're not going to jump on them in the first quarter and take Henry out. We, we talk about Henry, but let's talk about the offensive line. Oh, my God. Is this a byproduct of Henry suddenly becoming more of a leader? Like, is he? Do these guys just love blocking for this dude? I think I think they certainly do. I mean, obviously, when you block for a guy and he is able to reward you by breaking tackles and making these big runs, I mean, it just makes you look better and you know builds your confidence and and makes you feel like, all right, yeah, let's let's hold that block that one extra millisecond and let him get through here because he. He has a chance to take it to the house. I think it does matter, but I also think those guys are just playing awesome. I yeah. mean, it took a while for them to click. And, you know, on the the Nate Davis thing, it, it was to be expected. Rookie offensive linemen are almost always bad at first. You don't want to start them as rookies if you can avoid it. But credit the Titans and credit Keith Carter, even though everybody – you know, wanted him fired. And, you know, I, I at one point was like, you know, what the hell is going on with these stunts and everything? But Keith Carter's brought uh, Nate Davis along this year, and he has played his now, I think, five best games, according to PFF, in the last five weeks. So all of his best games have been in the last five. He's clearly turned a corner and figured some stuff out. And, and that um, comes with the coaching. Yeah. I mean, I hate it. I hate that we have to give Keith Carter credit, but you're right. I still still st- still see people wanting him gone. Yeah, I still see that too. And um, I'm like, this um, is the I'm, best I'm, offensive line in football right yeah, now. Yeah, unless oh. da- Dante Scarnecchia becomes available, yeah. who's the Patriots' offensive line coach, or Mike Munchak decides to want to come over. I'll be honest, I don't want anybody on the staff gone because no. what has everybody complained about the last three or four years has been consistency on staff yeah. year in and year out. Everybody complains about it, and then people are now. When Arthur Smith came up as a maybe a head coaching candidate, everybody's like, "Okay, good riddance." Right. And then now, you know, everybody still wants Keith Carter fired. Yeah, I. Would, I mean, you I, have to listen. I I wanted both those guys fired, but I have come around to uh, in the last few weeks, and I haven't really wanted to bring up Keith Carter at all. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I've actively avoided trying to bring him up because I didn't yeah. really want to say it. Yeah. But you're right. I, I mean, mean, he deserves the credit for what this team is doing. And and you you preached. You talked about it. And you may have got fed up. But I don't think I really remember you going too hard on Keith. I, yeah, but I, but you preached patience, and you yes. preached. It took forever for the offensive line last year to gel, it did. and then we're in a new system. Then Taylor Lewan's gone. Uh, we have two new guard pieces, so you you preached patience. Yeah, you may ran out of it at some point, but yeah. I mean it was tough there. You know, once we got to like weeks eight and nine, and we were still getting some some pretty major sack issues and stuff like that. But I I do think it was right around there. Um, you know, the Panthers game, I thought the offensive line started to play better. Of course, you had the bad. That was when Lawan was in his really bad penalty stretch and everything like that. But uh, you know. Right around that time, they really started pushing people around in the middle of that uh, offensive line, especially Saffold and Lawan on that left side. And they are, I mean, they are mauling people right now. And it is fun to watch because, I, I mean, every play, they come off the ball and the whole defensive line moves backwards. And you look at it on the other side, and this is a Ravens team that was known to be bullies. I mean, they were, they're known as like the big physical team that's going to, you know, beat you up and and be physical with you all game long 
the Titans pushed them, just blew those guys off the ball. And then on the other side, on defense, Jeffrey Simmons and Casey and Daquan Jones, and they, they were easily, had, in my opinion, had their best game since oh, probably the Chargers. They dominated game. the line of scrimmage. That, that was it. Was I was just like, whoa! Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. telling Lauren, I was like, whoa! Did you see that? Did you see that? And because I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I it, mean, I just couldn't believe what I saw. A, a unit known for its lack of pressure for the last good bit of the season, or for most of it, really came to play and took down some really good offensive linemen oh, to yeah. do it yeah absolutely I mean that that Ravens offensive line has been one of their strengths all season and really going back a few seasons now and uh the yeah, Simmons and Casey absolutely dominated Jones had a good game too um Landry had some good pressures I mean it was it was a team effort like Correa got in yeah, there Correa is you know he's Correa's a little slow played, he's played a little well. slow here and there but for the <laughs> most part I mean I have to say that He's done pretty well. He's played. He's played real well over the back half of the season. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It, it's crazy. the The crazy thing about this team, you know, you can look through the roster and guys like Correa, guys like Nate Davis. You know, we've already hit on a few of these. You can point out at least one guy in every position group that has gotten noticeably better over the course right. of the season. That's good coaching. That is exactly what it is. I mean, this team is well coached. They're getting better. They're peaking at the right time. And the game plans have been phenomenal. I mean, Dean P is obviously bottling up Lamar Jackson and and doing what no team has even come close to doing this year. Um, this is the lowest incredible. scoring output that L- uh, Lamar Jack- Jackson-led Ravens has ever had. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and they their lowest score this season prior to this game was 20. Yeah. So they scored eight points under that. They scored 38 times. So half their games, they scored at least 30 points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane what, what the Titans defense did to them. And I mean, it was smart coaching, good discipline, and then good execution by uh, the players. Oh, that's what I said to Lebowski on last week's episode when he asked, you know, how do you feel about facing Lamar Jackson? And I pretty much said, I am not too worried about it because I think that Dean Peace is a great co- B- Dean and Mike are going to have these guys disciplined mm-hmm. and ready to play. And I want to point out one thing, or there's many things I'm going to point out all night. <laughs> the defensive backs played a hell of a game. Oh and my goodness! I know there's one or two plays, you know, that kind of sucked. But it didn't really mean anything in the big scheme of it because these guys held their own. Adoree Jackson was fucking everywhere. He was phenomenal. Talk about a guy that benefited for some rest. Yeah. I mean, there you go. He's playing his best football right now, and he is – he's turned into a really good corner. I I think a lot of people have slept on that fact this year because we've been talking about it all year long that Adoree has been playing really, really well, and people still don't give him the credit that he deserves he there, there's there's people still player. clinging on to last year's indianapolis game where he got torched by t yeah i mean yeah sure that that happened big one <laughs> big deal he's played yeah. great since yeah um but yeah he was he was phenomenal i think he had three pass breakups and all of them were spectacular oh they, they're the they one that he made on the sideline where he just can't comes out of nowhere and gets his hand in there i'm like dives through fuck i was like damn <laughs> The the one that amazing. impressed me the most was the one on the crosser against Boykin because not only 
that was the play at the end phenomenal where he jumps kind of over his back and reaches over to like oh yeah uh deflect the pass he like manages to jump over him while running full speed and like still not make enough contact to draw pass interference uh but break the pass up but that crosser came from the whole uh, the entire dip other side of the field and jackson if you watch him in coverage i'll have it on my all 22 piece this week but he is he is on his hip the entire way i mean he doesn't get an inch of separation the whole way and then jackson you know jumps over to make the play at the end that it was crazy seeing how tight he was against him that entire route i mean all the way through just nuts it was it, it's it's crazy and him and let me say something else Tremaine Brock, yeah. what a steal off of waivers yeah. that was for him to first off fall all the way down. Mm-hmm. And he is he is starting to come around. And again, I think it has to go back to coaching and this coaching staff getting him ready. And he's playing pretty damn good for a guy you plucked off the street that was one. He, yeah. he was the best of the worst over in Arizona. And right. it's turning out that, you know, he came over here to the very – Kenny Vaccaro-esque with maybe a little bit less flash or splash. Right. But he's making heads-up plays and and doing a great job, too. Yeah, he's been very good. And and the step from – and I've always liked LaShawn Sims to some degree, but the step up from Sims to Brock is noticeable. And I think he's a good cover man. I think he's going to help them against Kansas City. Um, you remember that that game the first time it was played and we can talk about it a little bit more later but uh, they did not have Brock obviously they were playing a lot of LaShawn Sims at that point I think Brock's gonna help them uh, continuing on to this run I mean he's been really good the last few weeks uh, Khalif Raymond I know we talked about the route running yeah. and everything oh my god but that- it- I thought it was a blown coverage when I was watching yeah. it live I was like how did he get that wide open did they just like miss him and then you watch the route, and he gets in that blind spot. It was and just so nasty. Him. And he did. He did, had a really great route against the Saints too. Yeah. So before he got that concussion, yeah. you're you're seeing this all. And I know you wrote about it on your J. Rob piece, but let's give it up for John Robinson putting this team together yeah. and putting the team together that really the correct way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because you're seeing that, and that was what. Uh, I don't know if you referenced it in your article, but because I, I'd read Chris Wessling's article from 2016 of, from NFL.com mm-hmm. talking about John Robinson, how he builds teams, yeah. and about how defenses are getting smaller. John Robinson wants to get bigger, yeah. and it, it came into play. Yeah. I mean, this is what you're seeing. You're seeing either versus New England slow an old aging linebacking, linebacker roster, and then you see that okay, it's hard for uh, the Ravens to get cornerbacks on the field because we don't really have any receivers on the field mm-hmm. on some of these plays, and he's just going to roll them over. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's going to start having people build a little bit beefier, I think, and try to uh, – people are going to have to try to build their defenses and draft and all this stuff to – take into account this kind of player. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, yeah, everybody's, you know, trying to play basketball on grass and spread things out and go fast and everything like that. And and there are some teams that are kind of zigging, you know, along with the Titans. I, I think the Patriots have been a little bit more big and physical the last few years. Um, but nobody's done it as well as the Titans have done it. 
and you know it's it's really kind of blowing people's mind you can tell because they everyone's going how are they winning games when Ryan Tannehill's passing for 72 yards and 88 yards and you know what is what is happening here but it's a big physical football team it's a well-coached football team um Derrick Henry is a, a huge problem and then you've got a defense that is controlling the line of scrimmage. You're not going to you're not going to load up and run on the Titans like the Titans are going to run on you. And I know you know and I I agree with it to some degree the whole uh, running doesn't matter. It's all about how good you are at passing, but when you're efficient enough at passing and you can control the game uh in on both sides with a running game, it makes a huge difference. And you know, I think people have probably undervalued that as we've gone into you know, kind of the, the more analytics age of football here. Um, and running still matters. And I think the Titans are, are proof of that. Um, back to Khalif Raymond, route God Khalif Raymond. Oh, my goodness. That was beautiful. Um, plucked off the street. Yeah. Another guy plucked off the street. He'd been I mean, on, like, five practice squads. He'd been in the league for three or four years I, I don't know if J-Rob is particularly scouting them or who – is scouting some of these undrafted players from other teams or undrafted free agents. I hope we keep them. Usually keep them all because the, they're so good. The undrafted guys and the guys that are kind of like lower down on the, on the roster. A lot of those from the way I've, I've heard it explained. It is credit to the lower level scouts that are out there scouring practice squads of other rosters you know Kari blasting game is a good example oh yeah was stashed on minnesota's practice squad you know had a really good preseason and then the titans you know they lost fluel in and then they tried michael pruitt out there at fullback a little bit and you know probably i guess whenever walker went down they wanted to use pruitt more as an inline blocker and uh, decided to bring in blasting game but blasting game's been fantastic yep. i mean he's been really good and credit to the Titans and, you know, the the lower level scouts that are over there, you know, scouring these practice squads, scouring, you know, guys like Tremaine Brock, which, you know, I know he's been in the league for a while, so I'm sure it's not just, you know, somebody discovered him or anything like that. But knowing that he, he was playing well enough that we should bring him in and he could contribute for us. Yeah. That, that, that whole team over there, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, John Robinson's right-hand man, Ryan Cowden, doesn't get a GM job soon. I, I think you're going to see him come up for uh, some opportunities. Well, if in we the next keep cycle. having these late-round hits like yeah. Jayon Brown and Kevin Byard and all this stuff. David, David Long. David Long, who had a hell of a game. Yeah, he was I mean, tremendous. You, you can start building all this. Someone's going to start taking notice in the league that, man, the Titans are scouting and drafting and for the most part, handling free agency pretty well. Yeah. I mean, this draft class, the 2019 draft class, I mean, what a tremendous haul at this point. Because Jeffrey Simmons was a monster in this this football game. A.J. Brown has been great all season. He's been quiet in the playoffs because basically the Titans have stopped throwing the football. But, um, you know, Nate Davis is suddenly looking like a long-term starter at right guard. Uh, Amani Hooker is playing well. I mean, he's not super flashy right now, but just the fact that a fourth-round rookie safety is on the field as much as he is and you're not noticing him getting beat, that should tell you what you need to know about Amani Hooker. And then you've got David Long, who's coming in and playing 46 snaps uh, in this game, 
making a huge fourth down stop, making another couple really nice tackles and plays really looked like he belonged out there. uh, You know, playing a lot of snaps at linebacker against the toughest team in the NFL to defend as a linebacker. So, I mean, that's an incredible haul, and that's before you even get into, you know, Blazing Game, who's a rookie, uh, Isaiah Mack, who, you know, undrafted guy, rookie. Roberson. Uh, Roberson, who's up now. They've still got Amani Bledsoe, who they like, stashed on the practice squad. They've still got Kareem Moore stashed on the practice squad. They, you know, those are guys that could get looks next year on the on the 53-man roster. But it, it is – they've done a tremendous job building this roster and – I mean, the future looks really bright uh, looking beyond this year if you're looking at the Titans. And we got the cap space, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I can't say enough about the people that Twitter was harshest on. I mean, this whole year. Harsh on Vrabel, harsh on Arthur Smith, harsh on Adoree, harsh on... um, Keith Carter. Keith Carter. John Roger Robinson, Saffold. Roger Saffold, Taylor Lewan, and trust me, I was one of the yeah. Taylor Lewan guys. Yeah, um, they're they're tough on Tannehill when he took over and stuff like that. It's everything that you put in front of the Titans that said, "I'm not buying in until," yeah. or "Let's wait until," or "This is going to happen." Let's see if they can do this. It's done. Yeah. Now everybody can enjoy a week of us being in the AFC championship game yeah. against a team that and coach that we you know kind of own. I we mean, do, we're we do own Andy Reid. I that mean, he's true. 1 and 8 versus us, right? Isn't yeah. that the stat? Yeah. And uh we've won the last four outings versus the Chiefs, which is very hard to do cuz three of them are on the road back to back to back. Right. Uh and now we're back on the road again. I mean, no Chris Jones. Yeah. No Juan Thornhill, maybe, yeah. or is it Julian Thornhill? Juan. Juan. Yeah. It's. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. No, it's, but it's definitely a winnable game. It's it's definitely not going to be easy. But yeah, I, if you're still counting the Titans out, I I don't know what you've been watching for the last you know what twenty weeks now. Yeah. Um, it's a football team. The most impressive thing about it is that this is a team that can win. It, multiple different styles of games they they're a game plan team you know that's something that we we've, we've talked about for a while that you know they're going to game plan specific for their opponent and it may not look the same week to week you know it they're going to be a frustrating team from a fantasy football perspective probably as long as Rabel's the head coach because you know you're going to have a game where or you, you might have a stretch of games where A.J. Brown is is the focal point of the offense and he's going off for 100 yards a game. But then you go you come up against a couple opponents where they feel like they can run the football and A.J. Brown just does, doesn't do anything for a couple weeks. So they they can win in multiple ways. They can win a shootout. They can win a you know, backyard brawl. They can win with defense. They can win with you know running game, passing, whatever you want to do. The Titans have the personnel and capability of executing in that phase of the game. And I mean, I would not count them out against any football team in the NFL. And, you know, here they are. They're one of the four remaining. And, you know, I I, I like their chances against any of them. They're, they're the most complete team left in this tournament. I think. 28 teams are at home. They are there's 28 teams and 28 fan bases watching our Tennessee Titans. That's right. Yeah. That's remarkable. Yeah. It's it's so remarkable 
from what we saw in Denver on. Yeah. I mean, isn't it crazy to think back that at Denver, we were dead in the water? Oh, my God. Yeah, I was writing articles about uh, the quarterbacks in the draft and, you know, whether we were going to be able to get in the top 10 to, uh, you know, get one of these guys. And, you know, I'm I'm glad that it turned around because, I mean, at that point, we were going to Tannehill. We had no idea what Tannehill was going to do or, or what he could be. Um, I certainly didn't see the turnaround coming. Um, but as soon as Tannehill got out there, you know, we were we were at that game at the yeah, Chargers. That game. Chargers game changed everything. I and, think for me. Yeah, I changed that changed my feeling. I I'd, as soon as I saw Tannehill actually play a full game and what he could do, I was like, you know, they might have something here where they can put some stuff together and get back in the mix. And and that changed my whole outlook on it. Well, what were we? Were we like four percent to get in the playoffs at the time he um, took over, or maybe like been yeah. lower than that? Two and four teams do not often make the playoffs. Yeah, and and now we've gone two games out on the road back to back, and we're going on our third one. Pretty, you know, remarkable. And when you take in the fact that we beat the Texans, you know, the other week, and I think Jonathan Bourne is the one that put it out on Twitter. Yeah. You know, we have a chance to beat the technically the one, two, three, and four seed. Yeah. You know, back to back to back to back, all on the road. And then if you end up playing uh, San Francisco in the Super Bowl, you could face the NFC's one seed yeah. too, which would be if the Titans did go on to win the Super Bowl over San Fran, that would be one of the most remarkable playoff runs of all time. I mean, yeah. as far as like quality of opponents, you could not a you could not have put together a tougher slate than the one that they're going to end up facing. Okay, so let's talk about first. Do you agree with Lebowski that whoever wins the AFC is totally going to win the Super Bowl? Um, I think the Niners are tough. I, I fully expect the Niners to be. Did you the watch Packers. the Niners Vikings game? Yeah. It's a little rough for Jimmy G, and he kind of had it pretty easy from the standpoint that the defensive backs and the assignments of the linebacker on wide receivers and stuff like that. He, he had a lot of interceptable passes that game, and I think that. Now I have not watched a lot of Jimmy G. Yeah, but from what I've heard and what I've seen stat wise, he throws a very high number of interceptable passes that don't get intercepted. Yeah, yeah, I think he's been a little bit fortunate in that regard, and and it's gonna it would be really interesting if those two teams ended up playing each other because they are very similar. Um, you know, they're both they've got strong defensive lines. Uh, they both run similar offenses. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you see the Titans run the the. 49ers will run it as well uh, offensively, but it, it would be a very, I mean, even like Depot Samuel and AJ Brown are kind of similar players. Like there, there's a, a lot of parallels there. If that would end up being well, Johnny matchup, Smith, George but. Kittles, same draft. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Kansas, the week 10 Kansas city game versus this Kansas city game. Yeah. Um, do you, let's, let's go with, players that were missing versus players that'll be here yeah so when we faced them in week 10 they didn't have their starting right tackle and then the whichever guard the yeah. doctor is they did they they did have their right tackle they didn't have oh. their left was tackle. there is eric fisher on the left yeah eric oh, fisher okay. eric fisher oh yeah was that's out. right i don't know why i forgot that because jeff schwartz but yeah his uh, his, his brother bro that he's got to protect um, at all times on twitter and then uh kendall fuller didn't play and, yeah um when I looked at the article, the USA article, to see who actually who was out, declared yeah. out, it, it was a couple of days before, but it was the ones that the last injury report before the game time decision. Okay. So yeah. I had missed that in my my tweet. Yeah, but we didn't have, um, 
No Jayon. No Jayon, no Jarrell Casey, no, no Corey, Corey Davis, Davis, no Jeff Simmons, and no Tremaine Brock. No, I thought Simmons played that game. Did he play that I'm, game? I'm pretty sure he did. Someone had told me they didn't. I did not fact check it. Yeah, because he, I was too no, busy having a, I was too busy having to fact check the Dory Jackson stuff of when he went out, but oh, he yeah. got injured in the Colts game and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, no Jeff Simmons with Jarrell Jer- Casey. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah how about yeah. that? Yeah, no, uh, no, that duo. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no Jayon, no Jarrell Casey, no Corey Davis, no Tremaine Brock, which yeah. is all pretty big. They're all pretty important players right now. I yeah. mean, I know that people are still very anti Corey Davis. But that's okay. I don't yeah, care. I've, I'm, I'm going to let it go. Yeah, I'm going to let it go, too. He's a good football player. Yeah. So he, he blocks. If you disagree with that, suck it. Listen, if he <laughs> if he just blocks all the time, I don't care as long as we're scoring points with yeah. Derrick Henry. Who gives a shit? You like those long runs? Yeah, yeah. Corey Davis but is... Uh, defenses do have to account for Corey Davis. Oh, sure, yeah. And I mean, so he's him being good... back on this um, this particular game versus the one in Week 10 is going to change everything. He's a, good, he's a good number two receiver. Okay. We had a lot of luck. In that game. Yeah, so did but, they. So did they. But we also had... I don't know if I really want to call the fi- blocked field goal luck. I wouldn't call it blocked. Because, I mean, uh, it was skill, right? Was skill, yeah. That, yeah, I that, mean, that's considered skill. Yeah, I mean, if you want to call it luck, I mean, then everything is, is yeah. luck at that point. Because they, they practice the cadence and everything. Do yeah. you think they'll get a false start off a of field goal this... I, they've got to change the cadence, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, they, they have to. I, I would imagine they're going to have to be very cognizant of that and and maybe maybe they screw up a snap or something at that at some point because of that which would be interesting but um but Tannehill did lead a miraculous great drive to win that game yeah so saying all that here we are we're pretty much fully healthy yeah because we didn't have Malcolm Butler then we don't have Malcolm Butler now yeah the only real big one is Jayon Brown's status is unclear right and uh, Adam no, Humphreys. Adam Humphreys, which, which he could be. He we could don't come know. back. Yeah, it, it, we're getting to the point where if it's not like if he doesn't come back this week, it's because they're is... pretty confident they're going to win this game and they're going to rest him up for the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, that's that's, that's true. Think. They do get two weeks yeah. for uh, the Super Bowl. If so, surely if they make the Super Bowl, Adam Humphreys will be playing. Right. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he goes this week. So they could use him. They just don't have, as far as I know, uh, Julian Thornhill, Juan Thornhill, and uh, Chris Jones. Because Chris Jones, uh, the comment from Andy Reid was he wasn't even close to playing last weekend. Yeah, and he couldn't push off. So I'd pretty much almost put him as a scratch. He, yeah, it seems unlikely that he'll play, or if he does, he might be a little bit limited. So at this point. No Chris Jones. We have Derrick Henry. They're a horrible run defense. I think uh, the twenty sixth or the twenty seventh, something like that. Yeah, they're they're in trouble with Henry this week. Yeah, so I mean, I don't want to say I'm guaranteeing a win, <laughs> but I'm kind of guaranteeing a win. Like I'm so close to going ahead and buying flights to Miami oh and looking goodness. at hotels. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I I'm not. The, quite there yet the ticket prices could be off of the super bowl before i did any of that because they were like currently because you don't know who's in it yeah and they haven't released tickets they're still like they're like fifteen thousand oh, dollars <laughs> i was gracious. like yeah i think i i mean miami's pretty fun so it'd yeah. be fun to watch a game and be down there but yeah. you know if, if, if the titans do go i'm probably gonna stay here and go to like a watch party or something downtown yeah. maybe getting get in the middle of uh the action somehow but not I, I don't i'm not gonna be able to swing a trip to miami i don't think um but kind of feel good about this game i i feel like that again 
the Chiefs are tough. They they they're a better team than they were when the Titans played them during the regular season. I think because you know at that point they were kind of reeling defensively uh, a little bit. Well, I guess they kind of turned it around, and then the Titans sledgehammered them, and then they really turned it back around towards the end of the season. So I don't know. Maybe they're just maybe it's just a bad matchup for them. But I I think Mahomes. I mean, he went nuclear the first time. I don't know if he can go more nuclear. Um, He just went ultra. (laughs) He went Armageddon. Right. You know, just, you know, this past week. Yeah. I mean, like, I I know people have been saying stuff about, oh, well, it's healthy Mahomes this time. Well, is he going to throw for more than 450 yards? Yeah, that was my point. Four touchdowns or whatever he threw for last time. I mean, people were like, well, you know, a dinged up, a hobbled, and injured Mahomes is like, I don't know what game you guys are watching. But it's much like when Henry came back from his injury. Yeah. Mahomes got rest. Yeah. He got what? Because they had the bye week right before that, right? Didn't they lead uh, into that? Yes, I think so. Or no, no, no. The bye week was right after. Was it right after? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's right. But he got weeks of rest. Yeah. Yeah, he was out for two or three weeks. He was not hobbled at all. If you he, watched the game. He played. Like, he played. He certainly did not play like it was bothering him. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean. That's that's my point. People yeah. that want to, you know, got to be negative. I mean, it, it's not just our fan base or their fan base, which is really more our fan base mm-hmm. talking about an injured Mahomes and hobbled Mahomes. I'm like, you know, I didn't really want to get into it because I'm trying not to get in Twitter fights. But <laughs> my whole point was just to be positive. And then people are like, well, you need to mention the Chiefs players that were out. Well, I'm not a Chiefs fucking fan account. Right. I'm a Titans yeah. fan account, and I have a certain amount of characters. I'm not fucking <laughs> listing what the Chiefs had out, because I really don't fucking give a shit. Right. Because our injuries, our inactives, were highly important yeah. for uh, the matchups of the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey, Jayon Brown, he's gone. Yeah. And we didn't have Jarrell Casey. Yeah. And And I don't care what you say and what you feel about Corey Davis. Not having Corey Davis is a big deal. It absolutely matters. So we won that game without those three players. Why should I give me one reason? You can give me a few, but give me a reason why I shouldn't believe in this team right now. I I think you should believe in the Titans. I mean, there's no reason not to believe in the Titans. Now, if you want to say, all right, maybe the Chiefs win the game because they're really good too. Sure, they they might win the game, but I I don't think you can't go into this saying that the Titans don't have a chance because they absolutely do. Yeah, I mean they just beat the Ravens. You know, everybody tripped all over themselves to say how great the Ravens were all year. They beat they beat the Ravens. They've already beaten this Chiefs team. There's no reason it can't it can't happen again. That you know, I think I think Henry's going to run all over them again. Frankly. Um, and then he gets two weeks rest heading into the Super oh Bowl. Oh my good, yeah that that is a problem for the <laughs> NFC. If uh, if the Titans get into the Super Bowl, it, that is going to be a huge problem. For yeah, them. but yeah, I, I I don't think there's going to be a reason to doubt that the Titans are going to show up and bring their A game. I mean, I think the the secondary is playing better than better now than they were early or whenever they played the Chiefs the first time around because that was. The time period, you know, that was right after Malcolm Butler got hurt. That yep. was the week after. So, you know, they were still adjusting to not having him and how they were going to compensate and, and everything like that. So they've kind of figured that out now. I mean, the last three weeks, they've been really good defensively. 
Um, Casey's playing as good as he's ever played. He's um, feeling himself. It's kind of like Rashawn weeks. Evans. Like I see both of them starting to. They've been both been quiet yeah. all year, and they're really starting to to feel it. Yeah, I mean they just Ev- Evans was do. phenomenal against the Ravens yeah. too. I mean just he his ability. I you know we never got a forty time with Rashawn Evans right because he he missed the combine. Yeah. Um, and he didn't have a pro day cause he was, uh, healing from that injury. And, and, you know, it's kind of a J Rob special at this point to draft guys that don't have, uh, <laughs> you know, combine workouts yeah. cause we got Simmons, we got Davis, we got Evan. So, it, you know, it's hard to say, but watching him chase, uh, Lamar Jackson around the field Saturday night, I don't care what Rashawn Evans 40 time actually would have been. He is incredibly fast. <laughs> like. He was running. He was running with Lamar constantly, and then his ability to defeat blocks in the hole is really special. I mean, he's he took on some really like pulling guards and stuff like that coming through the hole, and he just sidesteps them and makes the tackle. He's playing at a super high level right now. Uh, Ted Wynn of the Athletic about an hour ago posted up a clip of uh, Rashawn Evans. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it because you were probably uh. on the road. He says, this is as good as you can play as a spy on Jackson by Rashawn Evans. He looks like he's playing the rat in cover one. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is, so you'll have to explain that in a second. Basically a robber. Okay. Opens up towards Andrews, essentially taking him away on a basic. Tracks Jackson. Misses tackle, but makes him cut inside towards help. Yeah. He says, that's about as good as you can do on Lamar Jackson. And this this whole linebacker... This whole linebacking core with Wesley Woodyard. <laughs> Wesley Woodyard played really good. <laughs> I was I was so worried about Woodyard I because too. I mean he, he's old. I mean he's okay, thirty. I mean, he's thirty three years old. Thirty three years old. I mean he played great. Yeah, and he played really well. I'm, I'm just I. This team is a t- team of destiny. We're, good. We're going to Miami. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill is from Miami. How Let's you, go. I mean, come on. I mean, how can this not be? This Titans team has the chance to, with Ryan Tannehill as oh, their quarterback. It would be so beautiful. Beat Brady, beat Lamar, beat Mahomes. What a run. And then go to Miami, a Tannehill homecoming. <laughs> where they're while, paying. While they're paying him $5 million. Yeah. He can pick up his paycheck while he's down there. <laughs> I mean, that's ins- that's you you really can't write this better. I know yeah. you put that on a tweet and I know you mentioned it here. And I kind of do wish it was the Texans. Yeah, I I but, debated I actually debated about whether I would I would put the Chiefs in there or the Texans, but I felt like the Texans would have been the better revenge story. Right. So, but I mean, now you get to go through three of the, arguably the greatest of all time. Yeah. The greatest of this regular season and the currently probably the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. And we're go- we could go through all of them and then just show up in Miami <laughs> where they just threw you away. Now the fans a lot of fans supposedly still love Tannehill. Yeah. But isn't that just like a movie? It oh, feels like it's a movie somewhere. You you could make a sports movie out of that. I mean, you'd have is. to use CGI for Derrick Henry cuz obviously nobody <laughs> can play Derrick Henry. I mean, he's basically an avatar, so. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I just it's hard for me to root it's hard for me to see past call it call it uh blue tinted glasses or whatever you want there's just so too many signs yeah it's just it's just team of destiny is all I keep thinking about and i'm 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 in 
everybody. I, I, and I, I'll be honest, if we lose, you know, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be sad. Yeah. But what a fucking run! It's been, it's been incredible. Yeah, I, they are without a doubt at this point playing with house money. That doesn't mean that you can't, you know, say all right, they played bad if they end up losing uh, this game on on Sunday, but. There is no doubt this season is a massive success already. And it's been one of the most fun Titan seasons that I can, I can remember since, you know, I was in college. It's it's Uh, easily, I mean, I'll say this, the, the team, uh, the 13 and three team and all that. Yeah, that was fun. It it was fun. It wasn't as exciting though. The 10 and no start was pretty exciting. But, but I mean, like the on-field product, I didn't think was as exciting as what this has turned into. And then you have probably before that a couple of the McNair runs that was fun and yeah. stuff like that. 2003 was good and and you know 2000 was really good. 2001, you know, yeah. I mean they they, they but, had they had some nice runs. But thinking about what all we've endured since Chris Johnson went to for 2000 yards offensively besides 2016. Yeah. And look at where we're at right now. Yeah. And and we're at doing it Via the run game, yeah, which is remarkable. It was uh, the next day, you know, because I watched it at a bar. The next day, I wake up. I'm very hungover. Do not feel good. <laughs> and uh, so, bad. I never take naps. I actually took a nap. That yeah, day. I never yeah. take naps. I'm the and, same way. And uh, op- and open up the phone, and it's the same thing that happened last week when I opened up the phone after that game. Tannehill only threw he threw for under 100 yards because if you would have asked me it felt like he threw for a thousand it, it <laughs> felt like I mean it felt like he was playing amazing yeah and I still think he did play amazing <laughs> I mean how can you say that he didn't play amazing just because he didn't have to throw it yeah like I mean, he, okay he didn't have to throw it he still got two touchdowns out of it, and he threw an amazing and he ran for another one yeah and he threw an amazing jump jump ball pass for uh well that he threw it up I guess would be the proper words for Janu, who made an amazing yeah. catch as well. But it was a good throw. Oh, absolutely! And then, I mean, we can't we keep bringing it up, but I, I, I that Khalif Raymond play may be my favorite play of the whole year. I mean, the, I'll, I'll be quite honest. I think Janu's the best catch. Yeah. My favorite play. Oh, I don't know. There's a lot of Derrick Henry runs too, <laughs> but I mean that that was it. Had me. I was out of the seat. Just in disbelief, I I was su- shocked, Cobra. You know how there's surrender, Cobra. Yeah. I was shocked, Cobra. What rank the uh, rank the plays? The Khalif Raymond touchdown, the Jarrell Casey strip sack, the Derrick Henry uh, slapping a sign on uh, Earl Thomas's back play, uh, and the Janu catch. Okay, what, what, what order are you putting those? Uh, in? What what's the criteria? Like most exciting, most or? Biggest reaction from you. Biggest reaction from me was definitely the Derrick Henry one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, second would have been Khalif Raymond. Third, Janu. Fourth would have been the sack. Yeah. And and it because I got to tell everybody at the bar what Earl Thomas was saying. Yeah. And then I got to show that uh, Titans film room video over and over and over <laughs> to everybody at the bar. Uh, yeah. Like I had to show it to him. I That's mean, like amazing. you gotta look at this. You gotta look at this video. Look yeah. at look at this idiot <laughs> who talked all this shit. And then what a Speaking of idiot Ravens, Bernard Pollard needs oh, to shut yeah. the fuck up. <laughs> Absolutely. Get the hell out of here, Bernard. And and for him, uh, I don't know if you saw the exchange between him, I think it was Michael Campanero, Will Compton, uh, Tony Jefferson, and Eric Weddle. I did not see that. No. Okay. 
huge thing happened. He got a little tiffy, a little pissy at Will Compton. And then Tony Jefferson tells him, uh, you need to quit being wishy-washy. And Eric Weddle jumps in and says, you're not even a real Ravens fan. Because now he's on the Titans bandwagon. Right, yeah. And they're all getting at him. Every single one of them. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And he said, oh, I don't see the Ravens uh, giving up. Uh, there's no way that Derrick Henry is going to carry for 34 uh, yard, yeah. thirty-four carries and 180-something yards. Yeah. Well, fuck you, he did. He did more. And for him to <laughs> say, oh, I'd crush right through him or run oh, right yeah, through yeah. Henry, uh, come on. I mean, Bitch, no, you and he, he's comparing Henry <laughs> to T.J. Duckett, late, oh, come se- on. late career T.J. Duckett, yeah. and then Brandon Jacobs, which no. – I mean, give me a break. I threw out his TJ TJ Duckett stats. Uh, he had 15 carries, 102 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, that Bernard only had three tackles solo, and then three combined tackles. So he didn't do a really good job against TJ Duckett. Brent, Brandon Jacobs is is like Derrick Henry if you like shot him in the leg before the game. <laughs> yeah, I think you would have to give him uh, maybe both a, legs. a thousand milligrams of horse tranquilizer. <laughs> And then that would be Brennan Jacobs. I mean, give yeah. me a break. Yeah, get out of here. And then he went on uh, the next, that Sunday, he went on the radio with Jeff Schwartz. Oh, of course. So him did. and Jeff Schwartz talking for like an hour. Yeah. Could you have imagined? I didn't listen to it, but could you have imagined? You know, I need to go back and search Jeff Schwartz tweet- tweets I to did. see about any uh, Ravens guarantees wins. He, he didn't. I don't think he no. did any guarantee. He didn't do enough for me to, prob- to, to, to provoke him. him. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, because as a, I know the why because he is still pissy about the Titans beating his brother's team in the playoffs two years ago, and uh, and all that. But for an offensive lineman, a former offensive lineman, to not appreciate what the Titans are doing is just blasphemous. I mean, this is an offensive lineman's dream. What the Titans are doing right now—they are loading up and slamming the ball down opponents' throats without. Any just, I mean, there is no illusion of anything else that's going to happen. They know it's coming. We know it's coming. There's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. And that is an offensive lineman's wet dream. And it is happening in front of his eyes. And he can't let his own hate go enough to enjoy it. And it and it sucks because I really like, for the most part, I like Jeff's account I, I, and because yeah. he shits on the Bills and the Jaguars <laughs> with regularity. <laughs> And I love it. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I he, love he's that. He's a good follow. But then he turns it around, and with them, he's right. Right. He's a little iffy on his Josh Allen takes here and there. Sure. But for the Jags, he's 100% correct constantly. Yeah. And But then he comes at us, and I'm thinking, no, nah, this ain't right, bro. Right. Yeah, this is, this is pure blindness because your brother wasn't good enough to get all pro. Oh, yeah, because he, he missed all pro for Con- to com- compared to Conklin, and then he... Uh, they got beat in the playoffs the, the two years later, and then he was whining about uh, a penalty or something on there, and me and him got into it uh, af- after that game. But yeah, yeah, Schwartz, Schwartz is sure to be dropping some uh, some excuses and whining if the Titans beat him again. But Earl Thomas, and then he goes he goes out on Twitter and says, "I guess that Drake curse is real." LOL, JK. <laughs> No, just, you know, maybe just shut the fuck up. Good shit, Earl. Yeah. That that interview after the end of the game. So there, there's some people that say he's not saying good shit, Earl. Some people think he's saying eat shit, Earl, I yeah. think. I don't I don't get that at all. I've listened to it a bunch of times. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's saying, hey, good shit, Earl. Yeah. But I, he's saying it in a mocking tone. You, yeah. He definitely well, is getting he, after Derek Henry also pissed off uh, Mark Ingram. 
Yeah. Oh, because yeah. Because he yeah. was laughing at him pretty much. <laughs> I mean, Derrick Henry, man, he's got a good. He's got a different yeah. side to him that yeah. uh, came out in this Ravens game. He he is his personality has begun to show out as yeah. he's he's become more of a focal point of this team, and it's it's cool to see because I I think he's funny. Um, uh, I'd said last week that he's pretty much my favorite Titan of all time. He's amazing. Uh, where does he rank as in your favorite Titans? So he's definitely my favorite running back. Cause he's basically the blend of Eddie George and CJ 2k. Like yeah. he's, he's a combination of those two guys. Uh, definitely my favorite running back. Probably. I mean, he's top five at yeah. least. Um, cause you're big, you're big, uh, Yancey Thickpin fan. <laughs> So I, I know Yancey, it was a Yancey Thickpin, Drew uh, Bennett, uh, Randall Godfrey. Yeah, Bo Scape's um, in there because he's Hook'em, right? Yeah. Isn't Bo Scape oh, from yeah. Texas? Oh, yeah, so. got a big, big Bo Scape yeah. guy. Uh, Amard Hall. Yeah. I mean, come on. Hey, I I like me some Amard Hall. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He'd probably make – he'd be pretty close to my top 15 Titans of all time. Yeah, well, hey. Yeah. yeah. Now, Henry's way up there. He's, he's, he's definitely top five. Is he's, he face of the franchise? Oh, right now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely is. Cause th- let's say that they give him a three-year deal on average of fourteen million dollars a year. Yeah, I'm in. You in? I'm in. I'm in too. Deal. Let's do it. I don't even fucking give a shit yeah. about the pay running back shit I mean, or anything. Here's the thing, and I don't want to get too much into off-season talk because there's going to be months and months for yeah. that to happen. Or actually, there might actually not be because if they're in the Super Bowl, there's only going to be like one month yeah. between the Super Bowl and free agency. But um. They can afford to bring back all these guys if they want to. Yeah. It's a question of whether they feel like the market the versus the value of the player is is there. So, I you know I know everybody's panicking about oh they can't afford to pay all these guys. They've got sixty million dollars in cap space right now. They can create another ten or eleven million by cutting Deion Lewis and Delaney Walker, which are virtually guaranteed to happen in my opinion. They can free up more by getting rid of suck up if they wanted to. Uh, re- if they want to get rid of Wake, they can free up a little bit more. If they want to restructure Daquan Jones and Jarrell Casey to free up a little bit more, they could. They could easily get to probably $80 million in cap space without really stretching themselves too thin. And the way they set up contracts, the way they have the last few years, everything's backloaded because yeah. they want, they know you get to roll over, you know, whatever unused cap space that you've got this year gets rolled over into next year. So you can kind of snowball a little extra space uh, into the future if you backload contracts and you're taking less risk by doing that because you're putting more of the guarantee or more of the high cap dollar years out further away from the guarantees. So last year when they signed Saffold, Humphreys, Vaccaro, and Wake, uh, if you look at just their average value contract values, it was, let's see, 17, 28, uh, so 36 million, their total cap hit for 2019 was 20 million, uh, combined out of all four of them. Yeah. So what you're looking at as far as average value. So say you're looking at Conklin is a 13 or $14 million a year tackle, which he probably is. Uh, he might only have a cap hit in 2020 of eight million dollars or seven million dollars you know if they structure it the way that they have been and if that's the case you can easily get all these guys under the cap and not have to worry about it i mean you, the cap's an illusion anyway yeah as just, long as you have draft picks don't do what the rams did and trade away all your draft picks and then you know hope that the, the, you've signed the right players right just keep both yeah it's all gonna happen I, listen, I think listen you bring back back the to big back four. super bowl champions calling it right now <laughs> Hell yeah, let's ride. Yeah, let's fuck go. It. Fuck it. If they bring everybody back, 
I'm how do how old do you not look at this team if they bring everybody back and then improve certain areas? They'd I mean, absolutely they easily have to be AFC South predicted champions. They would have to be AFC South favorites, and they'd have to be. It would be them, the Chiefs, and the Ravens probably in the AFC that people would yeah. say, "All right, these are these are the teams." And I don't want to you know throw Adam Rank and bring him up again. But he predicted us and the 49ers to go 3-13. and 13. I want nothing more than a Niners-Titans Super Bowl just for that reason. Yeah. Although, I kind of do want the Packers in there because I feel like we've blowed the doors off the Packers. I do, too. I don't think the Packers are that good. I think the, yeah. the San Francisco is a tougher matchup. But yeah. I really don't. You let the Seahawks, who have Marshawn Lynch. Listen, I know we're a Titans podcast. But I got to talk about this Pete Carroll letting... Oh, yeah. um, Marshawn Lynch and whoever that other fucking running back's name was. Homer. Yeah. Travis Homer run for run 32 times when you oh, have Russell my Wilson. God. The Packers were gifted that win solely yes. based on that. This yes. was a patchwork Seahawks team with just injuries everywhere. And they had like two point something yards per carry or something like that off those two running backs. Yeah. And they continued to do it. And it it was uh, you were gifted that win, the yeah. Packers. And then, listen, I, I don't want to take anything away from Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers made some beautiful throws, he did. and Devontae Adams just had his day with it. But th- that Seahawks team could have won that game pretty easily yeah. if they would have been smart. Just let Russell Wilson be Russell Wilson. And, and listen, Seahawks fans, you got to stop bitching about the uh, the first down call at the end of the game. Yeah, that was that was it was short. Yeah, it was short. Well, you could see the red li- when people add the red line to it. Or, or, I'm sorry, he was not short. Yeah, uh, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, because yeah, it, the the TV line was a good six inches off. Right. So when you show that still shot of him having his helmet down, like basically on the yellow line, that doesn't really mean anything. The yellow line right. is arbitrary at yeah. that point. Um, and then so we got this in the 49ers. We kind of touched. You want to talk it. about the hilarious Texans? apocalypse yeah i mean bill <laughs> bill o'brien never leave houston <laughs> i think it's funny and i don't know all the things about the cheating scandal for the houston astros yeah but they immediately fire those that coach and that gm who's apparently they're both pretty respected around the yeah. league and it wasn't technically all their fault or maybe some of they were kind of scapegoats or something i i, yeah. I don't like i said i don't know the ins and outs but bill o'brien Still GM, still head coach. Yeah, and he oh and God. he's he uh, bungled that whole yeah. game. I mean, oh, uh, I mean, and listen, you know their defense sucks. Yeah, this w- was bound to happen. When I I wasn't watching the game at first, and then I turned it on once I saw <laughs> that they were up twenty four to zero or whatever it was, and then they're coming back, and I'm thinking that ah, Chiefs gonna win this game. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. As soon as uh, I can't remember what it was. They had the touchdown, and then they got was it? No, as soon as they got that long kickoff return after the Texans kicked that field goal. Yeah, one I thought the field goal kick was stupid. I was like, all right, well that's dumb. And then the the Chiefs got that long return. I was like, the Chiefs are going to come back in this game. I was like, they they aren't going to stay down here. And well, sure and, th- and then you I have, didn't expect him to win by yeah. thirty. But. Well, then Deshaun, you know, Watson supports Bill O'Brien. But then Bill, in, in a pretty, like, not not in a, oh, it's a player back in his coach kind of way. It yeah. was a pretty much, he pretty puts aggressive. his neck, yeah, he puts his neck out in the line for Bill O'Brien. But then Bill O'Brien turns around and says, well, we just didn't have a play that we really liked at fourth and one. 
or fourth and inches, whichever one it was. It may have been both. That's a and fireable fence by itself. You have Deshaun Watson. <laughs> you you can't figure out one play. Yeah, come and, on. I mean, it's just I, I do not get it. I like I do not get what uh, this front off or this uh, ownership group sees in Bill O'Brien that he makes them think that a he's a good head coach and b. He's a good GM because they don't have any picks hardly. I, I think he's a, a pretty good offensive play caller. I, I'll give him that. I think he's, he's uh, pretty good I at mean, that mostly. Is he? Because he doesn't have <laughs> a place for fourth and one. Yeah, I mean, how good can you really be if you don't know how to get a fourth and one with Deshaun Watson? Yeah, but. Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and yeah. Kenny Stills and Will Fuller, you know. Yeah, but they, they have, uh, in the first and second rounds, they have exactly one pick in the next two years in the first and second rounds. Yeah. So that, I mean that, and that's a second round pick this year. So they don't have a first round pick this year. I don't, I think they don't have a third round pick this year. Yeah. I think and, you're right. And then they don't have a first or second round pick next year. How, how's this team going to get better? Cause they're also going to have to pay Tunsil a shit ton of money, which I, I mean, do you think he's worth like top tackle money? Cause he's probably going to get that. I told everybody when they traded all that for him and they got Kenny, and the Dolphins gave up Kenny Stills. Yeah, I thought Kenny Stills was the bigger prize to get. Yeah, because I might have been. I wasn't really big on Laramie Tunsil, and I know a lot of people are. Yeah, but he has the what the most false starts. Yeah, I think he had like fifteen or I something think he like had that. The most penalties for an offensive lineman yeah. in the entire NFL. And that's, close. that's killer. Yeah, and then bad. he's okay. Yeah, he's not. But he's, he's not, not a, shut down. He's not a left tackle that I'm scared of. He's not. He's not better than Lawan no. for sure. Oh God, no! I yeah. wouldn't even put him in. He's not in the class. Top? Would he be top fifteen? I mean, that's a lot of good left tackles out there. Yeah, probably. I'd say probably right around top fifteen. Yeah. He's probably in that ten to fifteen range. But I mean, I mean you're going to pay him a lot of money. You're going to have to pay him like a top five tackle for sure. And then, you especially let, after you traded two first round picks for him. And then you let Clowney go, which whatever you may not think that's a big deal if you're houston because he yeah. didn't really do that much in seattle yeah. but jj watt kind of looked a little old and came back too early it probably would have been nice to have jadavian Clowney and jj watt both there yeah um and you may be seeing jadavian Clowney on the titans next year but we'll get yeah. that in the offseason pods but I mean, I heard people today say that the future is bright for Houston still because they have, they're very young and they have Deshaun ja uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean, Watson's going to keep them afloat. They're not going to bottom out because right. of Deshaun Watson. But I, I mean, are they ever going to be better than they were this year? No, I don't think they're going to be as good this year in a couple of years because unless they just cut ties with Will Fuller, the yeah. Will Fuller experiment is not. They need to find Will Fuller. Healthy Will, <laughs> a healthy Will Fuller somewhere. Will Fuller right? with two functional yeah. hamstrings. I mean, they have they have to move on from Will Fuller, and Kenny Stills was supposed to be the Will Fuller replacement, but yeah. I mean, he's not Will Fuller. Yeah, he's discount Will Fuller. Um, they ha still have work to do on the offensive line. Yeah, they're still not good there. Uh, I mean, are they really going to go Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson again? I mean, we've seen them hold on, and Lamar Miller comes back. You know, yeah. which ones are they keeping? Yeah. You know, it's Watts, just Watts not getting any younger. No, and I don't think the defense is very good. The defense is straight out bad. You know, the I have to say it's a very average NFL team. Yeah, like I, that. This is a team that always seems to get lucky. Yeah, and it's a team that should be eight and eight, seven and nine, yeah. almost every year. Yeah, I, I think the Titans should be prohibitive favorites in the AFC South next year. 
Oh, yeah. If, if I would be totally shocked if they weren't. I mean, they would have to have lost Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry to free agency, in my Ugh. mind, for them not to Don't be. Don't even say that out loud. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, no, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> uh, this, this team, man, I just um, can't get over it. Uh, you know, it, it, it hasn't really set in that we're in the AFC Championship game. Every time I hear it, it's I'm like, wow, this, they really are here. Like, yeah, it's like I'm still I'm still high off the Ravens win. I haven't processed that this other game is coming around the corner emotionally yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not I'm not quite there yet. I'm I'll be ready probably by you know Wednesday Thursday. But the cool thing I think is that I feel like this Ravens win officially sealed like it healed a lot of old wounds for the fan base because I mean the Ravens were always the team that was in the way that always kind of took the football away from Charlie Brown and the Titans just went up and returned the favor you know as a six seed going on the road knocking out the one seed the team that everybody thought was going to the Super Bowl and it felt great to to do that especially to that franchise and I feel like this is as on board as I've felt the Titans fan base in more than a decade. I mean, it feels like we're starting to get like the stirs of like the early 2000s back. Well, I mean, when you see all the videos of fans watching the game everywhere pop yeah. up, and let me let me tell you, I literally went to, I was telling Lebowski, I don't know if you were here yet, but I went and drove by three or four bars before I landed at saltine of all places, just because I didn't yeah. want to miss the game. Yeah. But they were all packed. Wow. And I mean, the bandwagoners were out. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if they're bandwagon or not, to be honest with you, yeah. but the fan, the fans were out. Yeah. And I think on Sunday you are going to see, there's going to be videos and stuff of just downtown filled with Titans fans. I just oh, feel yeah. it. I it's, just feel that downtown is going to be filled with Titans fans on Sunday and it's a two o'clock game. Perfect yeah. timing. It does look like it's going to be cold as balls. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just, it's just awesome. And you're right. It This this feels so surreal because, I mean, I think back to where I was at the Denver game in Denver, yeah. just distraught over yeah. this team. And now I just can't get, I think about this team constantly <laughs> and it makes me extremely happy. Like this yeah. is and if we lose, we lose. That's all right. I'll yeah. be I'll be sad. I'll be a little mad. But you know, when going into next year, you talk about dynasty possibly dying about the the Brady dynasty. I'm not saying that we're becoming a dynasty, right? But we are we are sh- legit contenders. Yeah, we're from a from here on to the throne. Going into twenty twenty or the official twenty twenty season, we are legit. Super Bowl contenders, and we are we have a legit defense. We have a legit offense. We are a legit team with legit coaches everywhere. Yeah, I mean we're just a we're just super fucking. We are too legit to quit. I I don't see. I don't know how you can look at the brain trust right now and not trust this team. Yeah, at this point, because it, it, like I told people last week, if you come into my mentions being negative about J. Rob, about Frable, or yeah. about Art. And I may have to add Keith Carter here. You're probably getting a swift block. I'm just not, I'm not fooling with just, it over the summer of yeah. any kind of negative attitude or any kind of negativity. We are legit contenders. Yeah, get the fuck it. on board. Enjoy it. it. I mean, how many years of shit did we suffer through 
I mean, I did the... Hell, we suffered through six weeks of shit this year. Yeah. I, I mean, outside the Browns game, but yeah. I mean, it was six weeks of shit. I did I did the all-decade team on uh, at Music City Miracles. I put that together, and it was sad putting it together because it was like almost all current players because there were so few players from basically 2010 to 2015 that did anything of note. It was like, you know, Michael Griffin and uh, Nate Washington... And, and can you Jake really put Scott. Michael Griffin over Kevin Byard and or Kenny Vaccaro? If I mean, I, I had Byard and Griffin on there. Uh, slightly, I had Griffin just slightly ahead of Vaccaro, yeah. but I, it was close. But yeah, I mean, you could basically say See, I that. put Chris Hope over Michael team, Griffin. Yeah, but I, I think Hope was at the very end. Gotcha. I think he oh, most yeah. of his stuff was 2008, nine. And then he, I think 10 was his last year. Gotcha. So I think he only had one year. You didn't put Bernard game. Pollard up there. No, fuck Bernard Pollard. I, I left him off for spite. Yeah. So. But you're right. I mean, I don't know. I mean, why? I, I think is there's a lot less of these people out there. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who are coming around and pushing away some videos that they may have recorded back in November. All right. Um, of saying, you know, you know, let's tank. It's and over. There's tweets that of let's tank fire Vrabel. He's a clown. I, I, wanna, I saw a couple pop up on my timeline today because I think some people are being a little spiteful. Yeah, going and back so, and liking or yeah. retweeting stuff. So that you know, if people want to do that, that's fine. Yeah. But it is kind of funny. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Um, but I want to see this fan base embrace this team, yeah. and get on board, and unite. We're, we are for sure contenders. Yeah. Look how One far we've four. come. Yeah, you you win two games, you are a Super Bowl champion. We right were now. nine and seven after being two and four. We have beat the Patriots, and we have beat the Ravens, and we're about to beat the Chiefs. And let me tell you something: we're fucking winning this Super Bowl. <laughs> I am just, I am, I, I am, love it. I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I know people are gonna be like, "Well, you're gonna be sorely disappointed." Blah 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 blah. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean, I'll be I'll be sad for twenty four hours, and then I'm gonna think back. What a fucking what a fucking team. Yeah. Well, you're not gonna have to think about it though, because yeah, no. we're gonna win. We're gonna win, and we're, we're gonna win. keep celebrating and yes. just uh, throw a parade. And we're contenders constantly. Yeah. We are we are automatic contenders for next year. We'll be in probably the AFC South favorite. If we're not, I will have to figure out how to attack some of these pundits. But you know. <laughs> You know, maybe I won't have to. Adam Rank might even project us to go four and twelve next That'd year. That'd be great. I mean, they, that's a that's up. a one game improvement. <laughs> I but do, I, I mean, I don't. Do you? Th- okay, we win the Super Bowl. Yeah, win or lose doesn't matter. Yeah, we're but we're winning. <laughs> this isn't a nine and seven team next year. No, I, don't, I mean this I don't is a ten so. six eleven five team. Oh yeah, I, I think they're going to be a one of yeah, like a, a probably top three favorite to win the AFC next year. Yeah. Doesn't that feel good to say? It does. I mean, I, there's no and way. Let's not forget that we're getting DeAndre Walker back. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah, you're gonna get some some guys back. I mean, Butler, Butler will be back. Um, you're gonna get another J. Rob draft class, which, as we now know, can be a huge lift to a team. And don't forget free agents. Yeah, and free agents because so. they're definitely gonna want to come here, seeing how we performed. I mean, players want to play for Vrabel anyways, and and I think that's something that's come out a few times uh, from, like, free agent meetings and stuff like that. Players have talked about how influential Vrabel is in those meetings and how they really like his style and his approach, and I think he's a big selling point 
for this franchise moving forward. And now that he's got the success to back it up and say, look, if you listen to me, if you do what I'm, I'm coaching you to do, we can go as far as you want to go. I mean, the belief in him has got to be through the roof in that locker room. And that's going to spread throughout the league. I mean, these guys are all friends. These yeah. guys know each other and talk in the offseason. Well, I think Terrell Case even said he's the smartest football mind yeah. by far in the building. Yeah. I, I mean, it's crazy. It, yeah. It's crazy. In Decision-making sure. here and there. It sure. was a little iffy for a while, and, but, but he righted the ship. But the he, important thing is always to remember that the fourth down decisions and you know fake punts and stuff like that, that's just like one, one small sliver of a coach's job. Right. I mean... The day-to-day is so much more important. You know, ultimately, yes, yes, an in-game decision can cost you a win, and, and that's going to suck whenever it does happen because it's going to happen to every coach. But the ability to build a team, the ability to get guys to buy in, to all pull in the same direction, to sacrifice for the sake of the team. You know, Corey Davis, I guarantee you, does not want to be a known as a blocking wide receiver. He does not want to be getting you know, three or four targets a game, basically, and having to play second fiddle to a rookie. But he, you don't hear him say jack shit about being upset about it or I wish I was getting the ball more or anything. He's taking on the team attitude, and that's one good job by John Robinson, finding guys like that and building a team out of guys that have that mentality. But then two, getting Vrabel leading them and and getting that buy-in. And then three, Corey Davis for being a good dude. I mean, and being a team player. So it's just cool to see Vrabel kind of have that, that impact on the team. And you can really see it. I mean, it, the, the two biggest characteristics that I think you would say, describe the team tough and smart. And that's, yeah. that's what Vrabel was known to be as a player. I think about the, uh, the night the Packers and the chiefs played and we were at your house recording and we did mm. the, uh, the draft podcast on top of that. Yeah. And then we talked about Delaney's comments and is the locker room being lost and stuff. And I'm fucking embarrassed. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm embarrassed to have recorded that podcast. And I'll, uh. I'll be the first to admit it. I mean, I wanted to fire Art Smith, and I did not have faith if Rabel continued the trend that he could develop a quarterback. And I I will say I'm fucking embarrassed to have said that. <laughs> and I well, I mean, we were we were all I mean that that was. The low point, yeah. you know, and I think we were all reacting to that. And to a certain extent, it was fair to question the direction of the team at that point. But I think looking back now, you've got to say Vrabel at least knows what he's doing. Yeah. At the very least, he's a highly competent NFL head coach. I, you know, I tweeted this out the other night. And now that Matt LaFleur's won, uh, it's a little different. But all the coaches that have been hired uh, since... 2018 which are now you know we're not going to count the coaches that are the five coaches that are new just now but uh it's 17 coaches or uh, 15 coaches that have been hired since 2018 Rabel has two playoff wins the other 15 or the, the other 14 combined have two so Rabel has as many as the other 14 coaches combined that have been hired in that time period and it's, let's not forget that J-Rob both had um Vrabel and LaFleur in to yeah. interview for the head coaching yeah. job. Two of the last so four. So he recognizes talent too. Yeah. I mean, that, that as is. As much as it pains me to say because I hate Matt LaFleur. <laughs> but, but he's done a good job a, in Green Bay. Yeah. 
<laughs> uncomfortable giving uh, uncomfortable. too much credit. Yeah, there. that's too, uh, Keith. You you drew you took all Keith Carter. That's, yeah, that's it. yeah. You don't, not, don't make me do Matt Lafleur too. <laughs> you're not willing to go there. Yeah. It would be something to see a Lafleur Vrabel Super Bowl. That it, would be. That would I be think we'd mop the floor thing. with him. I, I, I think I think we would too. I think I think Lafleur would have like some kind of flashback from Vrabel yelling at him. <laughs> At training camp, that's true. Yeah, and he would be like, that. he'd be. I think he'd freeze. There is that story out PTSD. there about him, like Debrable just disemboweling uh, <laughs> yeah. Lafleur on on the sideline, yeah. like in front of everyone. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, PTSD would creep back in. Yeah, I think he'd, we'd wop my, wop, uh, mop the floor. He'd with him. literally pee down his leg on the sidelines. Um, well, we're. <laughs> We're at an hour and 45 minutes. so uh, <laughs> we're, we're going for the full Simmons. Here. Yeah. The full, so full Bill Simmons. Uh, for Mike Miracles, for Mr. Lebowski, for Internet Keith, may he rest in peace. Uh, R.I.P. R.I.P., bud. Um, I am Zach Lyons. This has been Football and Other F-Words. You can follow us on Instagram at F-WordsPod, at Mike Miracles, at Mr. Lebowski, at Dead Keith. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, Titans are contenders. If you're not on board, you can get effed. Yeah. Get but on board, you baby. have just been effed. You definitely got effed.